Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together. Are you with me now? Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And if and we're a little bit more if we're a little bit more peppy, it's because we're <laughs> recording on a Friday a Friday evening. <laughs> um yeah, uh not our usual Saturday mornings for both of us were usually just like because eh, it's early, early for you. And it's yeah. relatively early for me because I work third shift. So being up at 10 a.m. Like I'd usually be up, but I wasn't wouldn't usually be up like doing things. <laughs> I might be up <laughs> like reading Facebook or play or at this point in my life playing Breath of the Wild because it's yeah. all I fucking do. I'm going to have to sell the game. <laughs> I, I can't. I it's all I think about, man. I have not having dreams about Breath of the Wild. Uh, like I just. I, I borrowed the like the walkthrough, the like mm-hmm. big hardcover thing. Ezra oh, had that it. Is beautiful. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh, <laughs> he let me borrow it because I was I we've talked about it last time I was up there mm-hmm. and I told him I was struggling, which you know it's it's funny when you tell a seven year old you're struggling at a video game and they look at you like you're an idiot. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've had that feeling before too so um yeah but yeah i've yeah. been going through the manual looking at stuff and i'm just like i'm never gonna finish this game like i'm not that's just never gonna happen <laughs> so the, yeah the, I the, the walk give up. <laughs> the walkthrough is <laughs> the walkthrough is so deep um I think, like, for me, like, what Breath of the Wild, like, the first time I played it, and then, like, I'm actually in the middle of a second time playing it, um, what I always, what I found so intriguing is just how deep the side quests are, and how far you can go with that, and they're not even really side quests, they're just things that you can do that eventually you come to a natural end with, and... Like, to be quite honest, like, I, like, the second time is when I got lost into that. I was about, I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and quite literally, I'm just doing different things. I'm riding my horse around for 20, 30 minutes at a time, just trying to get into trouble. Um, I also think that it's, like, so, like, the problem that I have with this iteration, um, and I've seen other things that have happened that have come up with, um, the the most recent is things break and i like that but i don't like it do you know what i mean like like most weapons will break on you and it drives me nuts it drives me insane because like i will get so far away because like i i'm missing still missing one tower to unlock before i have the full map and then i will be so far away from anything uh like where I can like get weapons mm-hmm. that like and I, w- I will be wind up going up against like something stronger than the weapons that I had I didn't yep. stock up then I'm out of weapons and I'm just like son of a bitch man <laughs> like so I have to trek all the way back out 
to go try to find some or worse is when it's in a temple and you're facing off one of the like little spider robot things. Oh god, yeah. And like they're they're stronger than like because you just find temples on accident. Like you can easily walk into a temple that you are not capable of like especially if you have to fight one of those things. You're just not capable. And unless you look it up, you don't know what you have to do until you get in the temple. And it's just like, son of a bitch, man. I've broken all my weapons. <laughs> like <laughs> and I can't kill this thing. Like I've exhausted all my arrows. There like mm-hmm. I, I all I can do is try to defeat it with the bombs which will take forever <laughs> if oh i don't gosh. blow myself up first so uh, yep <laughs> um i got stuck in one of those temples for like two weeks it was the one where you learn how to side attack oh yeah I, like it's it's towards the beginning of the game it's like towards the first like third of the game you're in the middle of the first third of the game and you're learning how to side attack or side jump to evade things. And I'm you still know not how good I beat at it. <laughs> oh, I'm not good. Uh, like I, I'm not good at it either, but do you know how I beat it? Remote. I like, that's what forced me to buy a full on controller. Yeah. Um, to beat it because the, the reactive times to the joy con thing just weren't enough. So like, that's where, Oftentimes, if I find that I'm in a temple, like, I shifted over from my, like, you know, roaming around the the, the, the pride lands, whatever you want to call them. It's fine, right? It's easy. It's, it's when, when you're you start fighting that it yes, gets to or, be problematic. Exactly. Or, or puzzle, or puzzle uh, solving yeah. is also another thing I find. So what I ended up doing was just buying a wireless controller, and then I had to wait a week, uh, two weeks back. This was back in the day when, like switches were high commodities and things uh, peripherals with yeah. switches were a high commodity and so like, everything's out of stock yeah so i had to wait two weeks for that so it was like literally a month of and i just gave up because i was just like fuck this i'll play some animal crossing before i even do this and um yeah it, it took me a while but then that was the thing that unlocked everything was like oh okay just put it into the screen like you know put it on my big screen and play it like that made it a little bit easier, but it wasn't the screen as much as it was the controller. Um, and even then, I, like you said, I'm not good at it. Like, I'm terrible at it. Um, but it does it, it does help. Um, but yeah, I, I feel you on that, like, like doing basically Animal Crossing, but Zelda style. Like, that's literally what you're doing. You're just taking it and you're just kind of going around and, and just doing whatever you want to do, whatever interests you, but doing it at your pace. Um, which I, I, like I said, I, I, I understand that, um, all too well. Um, I, I almost, I almost think with this builder component in the, in the sequel, like that's going to be even worse. I I don't even know how I'm going to be able to like actually finish the game the first round, um, because it's just so intriguing of what you can do with that game. Yeah. I, I, it will be a very long time before I play the this the new game, just because mm-hmm. I know at some point I'll probably get to a point where I can at least defeat Ganon in this game, and I'm just like I've got to put it down because mm-hmm. I will just devote. I I have at this point I'm devoting hours of my day to playing this, so it, it's and and not like two hours, like five hours. <laughs> 
So <laughs> it, it's just not good. <laughs> so, uh, uh-huh. uh, so I, so you posted a review of something I wanted to ask you about before. Oh, okay. we're gonna we're gonna talk about Transformers, guys. But before we talk about Transformers, I want to talk about a movie that I was pretty sure at some point I was like that wasn't a movie that really existed because <laughs> I I've never seen it again. <laughs> Like, we watched it a bunch when we were kids, and HBO. but it just like disappeared. And apparently, uh, your boys over there at the rescuing uh, old movies factory uh, <laughs> dug you up know, a copy of The Experts. <laughs> yes, a beautiful copy of The Experts. Not just like a nice copy, but a beautiful, completely restored copy. Um, of of this and yeah, it's a real thing, man. Um, like so for people that don't know what the experts is, it's a comedy directed by Dave Thomas. His if second movie Dave, and probably the yeah. film that killed his directing career because like Strange Brew launches him as like uh, I mean he's already launched in comedy with SCTV and all the stuff they're doing, yeah. but like. Strange Brew was one of those that, like, it was such a low-budget, nothing thing that became this, like, indie little favorite that back then, you know, was... Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you... And so, you know, it kind of made him a little little hot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then um... he directs this, which... I, I mean, made no fucking money. <laughs> None. Made like $80,000. But thanks to cable, thanks to HBO, because that's where I saw it. I mean, I didn't see it in the theaters. I didn't know about it. But like like summer of 89 or summer of 90, whatever it was, I think it was summer of 90 because it was the same year that, uh, for me, I remember very vividly, it was the year that that the Burbs kept on playing. And so it had to be like 89 uh, or I'm sorry, it had to be around 90, like 90, yeah. summer of 90. And I swear to God, I think I watched the experts as much as I watched the burbs, which was like 30 to 50 times because it was just playing constantly nonstop. And like the great thing about this movie is that it's OK, it's both stupid and extremely clever like, if you guys don't know what the movie is about, it's about this town in Russia that is made, that's made to look like America so that the KGB <laughs> they, can... T- they call it Small Town USA. USA! <laughs> and basically, it's a testing ground for K- deep cover KGB agents. Think of the Americans. Like, this is the Americans... The Americans is a screwball Comedy! Comedy! Starring John Travolta in a mullet and Ari, everybody's favorite, like, su- uh, supporting character uh, of Jewish descent, Ari Gross, who was like the, like, let's stop and appreciate. He had for like a, a little moment, right? In the yes. Late 80s, early 90s, where it's like, oh, I really love this dude. Like, House 2 is House 2. Fucking great, man. It's so fun. And, and then he just House like. Two. He disappears into like mediocrity, you know, yeah. like guest spots on TV shows and background stuff. And but like he's still like he's not a he's not bad. 
No, he's definitely not bad. He like, I mean, he's so good that um, Spielberg in 2001 cast him in Minority Report um, as the first as the first victim that, or like the first uh, caller that uh, Tom Cruise gets. He's the one that murders his wife. Um, and he's great in that that small role, that small but pivotal role. Like you need to have somebody that's like 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 a like like a guy that you know could be cuckled. Like I know that sounds terrible, but it's like a guy that could be cuckled, but then you can also see him in a in a bit of rage. Like there's another alternate reality where Ari Gross gets his shot and he's in and he's fucking in the Shawshank Redemption because he feels like Andy Dufresne. Like yeah. he feels like the written version of Andy Dufresne because Tim Robbins is a monster. He's like six five. So yeah. like like Andy Dufresne is like a very different type of like quiet person um in that. But like when I read that story, I thought of somebody like Ari Gross. Like somebody you knew that was gonna be like in Oz. Like it was not gonna be a it was gonna be a rough fucking ride for him for a very long time. Yeah, um, I mean no offense to Ari Gross, but yeah. kind of a like somebody you would look at and down on his luck be like, well, that's got, that guy's a schmuck. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> exactly. It's, exactly. Ari Gross is like the Shakespearean version of cousin Larry from, oh, uh, shit. Yes. <laughs> like he's, he really, is. he's the, he's the upper crust version, but he still has that kind of like loser thing about him where it's just like nothing ever breaks his way. Um, yes. and uh, yeah, I I I'm gonna order this movie and revisit it. I have not seen this film in thirty years or more. And then when you posted the review, I was just like, "Holy shit, <laughs> this movie exists!" <laughs> it does. <laughs> like it's like, one even... of those that I thought was lost to like the the transition from VHS to DVD. It's like no, it just it's gone. <laughs> No, absolutely. And and like I get these emails from uh from the PR uh from the PR division of Kino and they give these like it's great because they give these like it's like there's a certain time of the month between like the between like the 6th to the to the 12th you could get this email where it tells you what they're bringing out in uh for the following month that you can request stuff. And when I saw this I think honestly, I think that they knew that people thought that this was a joke, so they included the trailer on it, like the YouTube trailer. And I literally instantly, I was like, "They really do have this?" And I clicked on it. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is the exact fucking movie I remember." Um, and uh, I will tell you, like, I loved it as a kid. I think I loved it more as an adult because how much like i mean we were cold war kids like we grew up in the eight, late 80s like we grew up in that late 80s fucking yeah, it was always that thing, like hanging <laughs> over your head you know yeah i mean like we've talked about in we've talked you and i and even ryan like we all all three of us have talked about um our kind of love of red dawn and like our kind of like it how fucked up it was to us and how it got into our brain thinking that the fucking russians were gonna come like, like, actually invade Red Dawn style and how stupid that was. But, like, when you were a kid, when you see C. Thomas Howe with a with a, an AK-47, when you've never seen him like that before, or Patrick Swayze or Charlie Sheen, like, you see these kids and they're, like, warriors and they're only a few years young, older than you. It kind of, like, shocked to the system, right? Um, 
but it's like that kind of milieu that we're in and then it's like this movie the experts and it's like it's completely goofy but it's goofy in the right way i honestly i found it completely enjoyable and delightful like like it's one of those movies where you go huh like if this was released in another era this might have actually had something this might have kind of done something because it's not a bad movie. It's just a movie that nobody wanted to see, right? Like, who I mean, wants so to much see so they shelved it for like a year and a half. Yeah. So, because it, it was yeah. uh, filmed in like '87, like right off of Strange Brew, and then yeah. it like nobody, well, the studio, nobody in the studio was happy with it. They shelved it wanted to I guess like refilm some stuff but then Travolta was uh that was like towards the end of John Travolta's uh like appealing times and yes. those like early 90s where it's like uh you know he's not really a star anymore and I think he'd like gained like a shit ton of weight and uh he just didn't like it was just not feasible and yeah so they just had to put the movie out as it was. And I mean, you're right. It made like $150,000. Like it made nothing. So. Um, but like, the thing is, is that at the end of the day, like John Travolta still won because that's the movie where he met fucking Kelly Preston. And I will fucking tell you, like, there's no unequivocally like, man, like we've, I forgot about like young Kelly Preston and just how, Wow, gorgeous she was! Like, yeah, like they met watch, on this movie. Like yeah, this is where they, they met. met. Yeah, yeah. Like there's actually okay. So funny thing is, I'm fairly certain that Quentin is a, a lover of this film because, like, literally, there's the there's a dance scene between him and Kelly Preston. Yep. And I can I can guarantee you, I think I like you watch this, and it's the moment that they fell in love. Like there's like this moment where they look at each other, and you go holy shit, am I watching these two, like, fucking fall in love on screen? I would not doubt it if if Travolta ever came out and said, yo, we met on this what movie called... I'm Do a terrible... I fucking do a terrible... <laughs> I won't do it. But, like, I bet you anything, he points to this, the dance scene, because it's also staged exactly like the one in Pulp Fiction. Like, it's a master shot, and it, and it stays pretty much a master shot until it goes into like these semi close-ups of them like there's these mid shots and that's exactly the way that uh pulp fiction is uh and it's like even on like a proscenium it's on, on this circular stage that they that they dance around each other and they do all this stuff and it's like yeah you know what i wouldn't doubt that quentin like loved this film when it was on vhs um like i said like it's just a, it's a really it's really weird because it's like I didn't, I, like, you know how, like, some 80s movies are? You go back and you go, oh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't, I, I'm like, or you go back to them and you're like, yeah, I'm glad that I went back. Or the opposite, which I'm always in fear of, was like, oh, shit, I went back. I shouldn't have gone back. I shouldn't have gone back. But this one was totally, like, not just like a, okay, but it's, like, one of those ones that I'm like, you know what, I think I'm going to actually watch this a couple of more times this year just because it's, it's so just kind of, like, in the right way goofy. In a way that only an 80s movie about the Cold War and Russian Russian KGB agents and John Travolta can be, like, goofy and fun. Like, this movie could not be made now. Like, no. if it was, it would be the super serious version of it, like The Americans. But it would be, like, some kind of Jordan, uh, Jordan Peele movie where you start off in, like, 
like middle America and it looks all weird and you end up finding out at the like at the like the middle of the movie oh shit it's like cold war era Russia and you're not getting out um it would be that version but yeah. I don't know if I want to see that but also the bigger thing the thing that it connects with the burbs is that it has a great Rick Dakunum uh performance he plays yeah. he, he's it, you guys know him be, uh, he's he was only around for a short time he actually tragically um died um like i think it was like in 93 or 94 um so so it it, it was oh, one I of those he things died pretty recently oh did he like in the last 10 years Really? I thought that he died later because he didn't. Let's see. No, well, let's he just stopped away. doing Oh, 2015. <laughs> oh, he just stopped doing things. Okay. Um, um, that would make sense. But he was he was art in um, uh, he, he was art in the birds. Red Rover, Red Rover. Let red Rover. Go over. <laughs> he was also like my favorite like my favorite thing was that um, I always forget he was John McTiernan's boy for a while, and he star he he's in Die Hard as the guy. Shut it down. Shut it down. Yeah. Um. And then he's also in Hunt for an October as the as the um. I think it's like a like he's like a military air like air raider man or something, and he's like eating a Snickers bar and he's talking to uh, Alec Baldwin's uh, character about like you know he's like you thought this was bad. Um. I just love him. I love the, I, I, I don't know why, but like, he's like one of those character actors that specialized in playing unceremoniously prickish guys. Yeah. Like, like he, he's like one of those guys that I just kind of love because they made a career out of that. Like they, you don't have that guy. You don't have those guys anymore. Like everybody wants to play like pricks with a wink and a smile. He never did. He never did that. Like, whenever he played a dickhead, he always played a dickhead. Um, I mean, Art is, like, the one of the biggest dickheads. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, not to get on the birds, but, like, the whole movie, yeah. you watch it and you're just like, why the fuck is Tom Hanks friends with this guy? Like, just it, stop listening to him, man. <laughs> like, he's an well, idiot and an asshole. <laughs> absolutely. But then you turn 40 and you realize that there are some people that you're friends with because of yep. location. And you're <laughs> like, I now get it. I get the, like, I got the burbs in my mid thirties when I started to be domesticated, but I didn't truly get the burbs until I was in my forties. When, like, when I was really domesticated and I had a home and all that stuff, like, and then I understood like neighborhood politics and how it works and how like it's just it's wild it's wild because it's like as a kid you're just like art is such an asshole um art just like he's the worst um like he reminds me of um oh god uh what's his name um uh, uh who's uh from um from breakfast club paul gleason oh yeah yeah uh, he's, all, he's, in, he's in Die Hard too. All he does is yes. play jackasses <laughs> Exactly uh, I guess we gotta get some new FBI guys <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> uh, but I mean it's like it's Whenever I see one of these guys Show up in an 80s movie it, Or like like in, in The Experts, Charles Martin Smith It just puts a smile on my face Because it's yeah. like 
fuck. I mean, these guys are true character actors. They're not good looking. They're just fucking workhorse actors. Like they just do their thing, right? They don't they, they don't suffer any fools and they come in and they play that role perfectly. Like Paul Gleason, like is one of those dudes that it's just like he was that vice principal like they like you know like we knew guys like that in high like you know you knew you knew teachers like that in high school um you knew uh, principals in that uh, of that kind of ilk and we just kind of don't get that anymore um so yeah no it's great um i'm glad that you uh you were like oh shit the experts because yeah. it doesn't it makes me feel a little bit less alone in the world when i'm like yeah, there's this movie that I fucking loved when I was a kid, but I, I looked it up. I, so it, it it this is its first release on video since 1989. So this is okay. literally a movie that's been lost for 30 years. Like it just existed on VHS. So like you couldn't get a copy. Um, nope. But yeah, that it 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 excited me so much. I was like, oh, I've got to get this and rewatch it. Um, like, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to buy it for my dad. Cause it was a movie that he watched. Uh, so, okay. um, yeah, it, I, I'm excited to revisit it. And it, it, it's nice to know, like, I don't expect it to be like, you know, genius, like yeah. a gem or anything, just like that. It's as fun as I remembered it being. So, um, all right, so let's 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 talk about Transformers: uh, Rise of the Beasts, uh, which yes. we both literally like. I got out of it a couple of hours ago. You just got out of seeing it. Yeah, no, I did. Um, first off, um, like, can we talk about the semicolon subtitles are just the fucking worst <laughs> <laughs> on all Transformers movies? Like, they're just the worst. Like. Um, but with that being said, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna throw caution into the wind and I'm going to tell you, I really fucking enjoyed this movie like a lot, like more than Me I think too. that I, more than I thought that it was and possibly yeah. more than I think that it should be allowed to. But at the same time, I think that like, again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like this feels like like for the first time i feel like they kind of understood the transformers mythos beyond just the speak of it like because like the bay films i always felt like they talked a lot they were re i, we, I was talking about this with my little brother um uh -huh. because he's a big transformers fan and oh. Um, we were talking about the Bay movies and I was like, uh -huh. here's the problem with those movies is they think every movie, they seem to want to reinvent the, the mythos. Like they're just yeah. di constantly diving back in. So you're just like, that doesn't make any sense with what, what we talked about in the last movie. Like, and it, and it just, like, there's no canon. And like, if you ignore those films and just look at Bumblebee and this it does seem to at least try to operate within the same canon now not to say there there's still a lot of shit that happens that it's like what I mean not to jump to them but like there's this giant yeah. thing that just like comes out of the mountain and it's like 
what the fuck? Where did that come from? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god! Like it does some okay. Like I want to be upfront about this. It does suffer from like taking heavy, heavy, heavy reference from the first Avengers movie, um, with the, the final third. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Look, it's Christ. a beam that opens a portal. This big thing's gonna yes. come through and kill us all. <laughs> but, but like, at least Unicron looks fucking intimidating, man. <laughs> yes. Okay, so like, but the other thing is, is that like the entire time I was like, okay, so this is obviously the like the soft reboot that we were looking for. Like, you know, it it leads from Bumblebee, who is not the main character in this. Um, it's Mirage. Which is a very interesting choice, uh, and also the voice is interesting. But I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. Yeah, um, I do want to talk about the get through the like the plot stuff. Yeah, but what I I appreciated about this movie is that it took it took a lot of references from the Transformers of the movie. <laughs> I hate saying yeah. the title, but I love saying the title. It takes a lot of like reference from that and it pulls from things but i'm gonna tell i'm gonna say something that i feel so i feel this film is the only the the film that's better written than this is bumblebee um yeah i i do agree but with that being said and i know this is this might seem like a backhanded compliment but this is the best written of the transformer prime movies right like the ones like other than bumblebee i think that like we have to make the exception of bumblebee because travis knight is a very skilled 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 professional like i mean you know i'm glad he's going back to traditional animation he's going back to stop motion he's going back to his company i'm glad but i'm also glad that he made bumblebee because i feel like bumblebee was kind of if bumblebee had been the first transformers movie i don't think that we would be having this conversation about pre-qualifications and stuff um and having to kind of talk i still feel that there are issues but i feel like this is the best written of them because the setup feels so kind of like like i related to like and and it's it's a big like you know it's a big win for them to get uh anthony ramos and dominique fishback as their leads because I feel like the like them together and them apart and then their their storylines are so non bayish and so kind of like what I would want from a Transformers movie. Like I want to see the humans that I, I want to see humans that I can relate to and care for. Right? Yeah. I don't. I, need, I can appreciate that it's not a suburban white kid. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and like whose dad's buying in the car. <laughs> Yeah, who's lusting after who's lusting after a, like uh, like a girl that like he has no business dating. Um yeah. y- you know, I appreciate that like Anthony Ramos is ex-military but he's not ex-military, right? Like the character, he's not like he's not like the Michael Bay version of an ex-military guy. Right. You know, the best in some seals. <laughs> Where's the rock so you can break off a piece of that ass? It, like it did feel like they specifically set out to counter a lot of the the bayisms like very yes. specifically like the 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 fights are uh mostly like pretty wide shots not yeah. not wide wide but definitely wider than bay 
would do because oh yeah it would just be this jumbled mess of robot parts in bay movies um and these you can at least tell who is fighting who whom who is fighting whom and yeah. and like follow the action from place to place uh and not feel lost in in the fight scenes now the plot is probably a little bit different i I wonder what's cut out because I don't think the, the the jumps you the jumps in logic you have to make to like just be like oh okay um like so the two big ones being uh scourge when scourge shoots uh uh what's her name razor it's not razor big razor oh um um air razor yeah air razor yeah with with that little uh thing and it yeah. like cor- corrupts her uh that comes out of nowhere like it, if you're not really paying attention it, it kind of seems like wait so is she a traitor what happened because if you if you're just not really paying close attention you're like oh he shot her and yeah really that yes that's what happened but it's some kind of like thing that corrupts them and like you know flips you know, flips them to like evil or whatever. Um, and then also, like I alluded to earlier, the giant base that <laughs> just transforms out of this mountain. Yeah. <clears throat> out of I'm nowhere. Like, what? <laughs> I, that, that, that was the one thing I was just like, what? <laughs> um, but uh, like, there's a few things, like smaller things like that. You just have to kind of like, take the leap in logic but it's not the like it's not the way bay's movies were where the characters were wildly different from film to film even from scene to scene sometimes i mean mm-hmm. he he made a whole movie where the transformers the autobots were just like okay peace out we're just gonna let the decepticons destroy chicago like occupied chicago and killed millions of people and they're like haha we were hiding the whole time see you really did need us what the fuck <laughs> like that is now we do have in this movie an optimist that is not necessarily pro-human but if you yes. follow the the beats of the story and kind of what happens in bumblebee it, it's it's in it's set in this one's set in 94 um, yeah. So it's a early optimist. He's not like, he, really, he just wants to get his people home and save his planet because they've been stuck on Earth for decades at this point. Um, so it, it's it's easier to just be like, it's not that he doesn't care about the humans. He's just like, hey, man, I'm not trying to save your planet. I'm trying to get home and save mine. So... You know, he's no, not, not a total dick. It's just like, but, nope, we're going to let him kill millions of people. Oh, and, and like, uh, goddamn, <laughs> like that, that, that movie was, that movie was wild. Like, yeah. I'm just going to say that movie was wild. Um, it made no sense whatsoever. Um, <laughs> um, but like what I appreciated about this movie is that they attempted to give Optimus an arc of that whole thing of not caring about humans and then understanding that he needs to work with humans. And it's like, that's, I can appreciate trying. Like the thing I felt about the Bay films 
was that they didn't try. Like Michael Bay himself has said that he hated being in the Transformers world, but it made it made him so much money. And Spielberg threw like you know all of the money at him because they would be making movie money worldwide. And the only reason why they didn't. They they didn't continue on with Michael Bay and keep on paying him was because the the last one that he did was it the last night I can't yes. remember whatever the Wal the Wahlberg pederast movie was and Wahlberg does not pay a pederast in the movie he plays a father to a daughter who's dating a dude that's way older than her and he has yeah. to like oh god I fucking hate that movie I fucking despise that fucking movie because of that bullshit Michael Bay what the fuck were you doing. Like seriously, yeah. that's, like trying to justify some of his own bullshit or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really hope. I really hope the fuck not. But anywho, um, <laughs> um, what I like is that it was such a it was such a fucking bomb, and it didn't make the worldwide money that it because I mean Transformers movies since what the the since the sixth one have not made any money in the U.S. Nobody wants to watch them because they're like a, a headache inducing thing. Um, with the exception of the hardcore fans, so they don't make a lot of money here, but they make they made billions yeah. worldwide, and that's why they kept on making them. I, I often people often ask like, do, do you know why they make these movies? And I'm like, yeah, because they make money worldwide. Like uh, right. you know, just because Americans don't like them doesn't mean that nobody the, else is going. The to Chinese them. box office is just like yes, <laughs> yeah, more money. I mean, but then again, you you find out that those those. No, like those theaters cost them a fortune to attend, and they're forced to do it. So, but anyways, but what I like is is that this is this is something of a like it 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 counters everything that Michael Bay does. Like, and I was really like I was genuinely surprised, like more surprised than I was with Bumblebee because Bumblebee was like this whole self-contained thing, right? Where. It kind of felt like a soft reboot, especially with the end. But like, like I think we even talked about, we've even talked about before. It was like, well, it's in shambles. Like, I, how do they, how do they do this to reset this and make it proper and like figure out a way to do this so that you can get, like, I mean, we've, I've even asked you, is it possible that they can do a, a true Transformers movie? And to me, this is like the step in the right direction. Like, yeah, it's certainly the closest they've come to doing anything that remotely resembles the the cartoons, and, yeah. and not even the cartoons from when we were kids. Like just the the even the cartoons from like the early two thousands, like Robots in Disguise, are like Transformers. Beast Wars. Yeah, Beast Wars, Transformers Prime, which was yeah. about ten or twelve years ago, I think. Um, yeah, just stuff like that, where it's like, okay, you know, we need characters that people can cheer for, a plot that that's big but also basic, and you know, we got to have heroes saving the day, bad guys being bad guys, just very like, you know, it's not low stake stuff, but it's it's just, I, I mean, honestly, really, it's it's stuff for kids. Like that's what yes. it needs to be for kids, yes. you know. And Michael Bay did not seem that interested in making Transformers movies for kids. Uh, he seemed like he wanted to make Transformers movies for thirty-year-olds uh, who wanted to act like children. So, um, <laughs> and and I I mean I do enjoy that first one, you know, 
pretty, it's pretty good. Um, and it was nice to see the Dinobots on screen, even though that movie sucked. Um, but yeah. uh, Grimlock, uh, <laughs> Grimlock's like my personal favorite. Like I feel yeah. like, like Grimlock was, yeah, like that was so dis. Like it was both nice, but it was also very disappointing because yeah. it was just like it was fucking Michael Bay. It's like, um, like I, but yeah, no, I, I mean, but like, like going back to this movie, like what I like. There's so much that I really liked about it. Um, I liked the speed at which it moved. I liked it. I liked. I liked the fact that it was funny, but it wasn't goofy and it wasn't racist like some of the other ones were. Um, yeah. <laughs> like which, the, the, again, the inappropriate. Like they specifically say something in the movie, like some uh, a yeah thing. Like the, there's this whole racist like comedy bit in the movie about somebody calling uh what well, it, it's um uh wheeljack calling or no it's it's mirage i think calling the kid he's like i think that's racist or something one of them yeah, tells the kid he's being racist and he's like you're you're giant walking robots robots <laughs> how is it racist um, um but like it, it just stuff like that where i'm like this feels really like we're we're taking shots at Michael Bay. <laughs> no, absolutely. And like, you know, I love Bay. Like, you know that I love Michael Bay. We've mm-hmm. talked about my love of Michael Bay. So, I mean, Michael Bay has a thick skin. I mean, he produced this fucking movie. Like, he was a producer. Now, whether he was a creative producer or just because contracts require him to be on it. But I mean, you know, like, like, you know, there there is a whole thing of like he has to do he does have to watch the movie as a producer, right? So he could have very easily said, fuck y'all, take my name off that goddamn movie. I don't want this here because you're making fun of my movies, but doesn't seem like it. Um, like I like the like it doesn't it feel like I know this sounds weird, but it really actually feels like the even though we don't we don't meet them until literally halfway through the movie, um or two, a third into the movie, about about thirty five to forty five minutes, I think it was, uh, in a two hour and ten minute movie. Um, but it feels like the like the the character, like the Autobots and the, the um, um, uh, Maximals were actually characters. Like they were actually they actually had their own personalities, and it wasn't just sketchy set things to make me laugh or whatever the plot dictated. Even though it does very, it is very plot centric, but like there are these moments, especially with like Mirage and um, and uh, Noah, who's the main character, that I feel like there's an actual back and forth and a relationship, and like like hats off to Anthony Ramos for 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 acting in front of blank stuff, but actually I mean, being able to pull it off. Both of them, man. Like yeah. The whole fucking movie is these two actors running, talking, like, to nothing. They're the only real people in, they're the only real anything, except for, like, the ground, I guess, in 70% of the movie. (laughs) Like, it's, it's pretty good, like... I'm not going to say it's Mark Hamill levels because at least Mark Hamill had the Yoda puppet. Um, but I mean, it's certainly uh, Liam Neeson levels of 
Like, yes. I'm sure. I'm sure they had stand-ins. I shouldn't say they're not. They're, yeah. They're acting against somebody, but they're they're. It's not like you have to sell that like you're talking to a giant robot or running from a giant robot or you know terrified of a giant robot, and like they both do a really really good job of doing that. Like, um, no, absolutely. I, like hats off to them, right? Yeah, like, and I I don't I don't know him from anything. Uh, oh, you okay? He was like we know him like in our household. He's I know in the heights because, and uh, yes, he's he's a Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton. stars born, but like yep, I'm I'm just familiar with the things he's been in, but I'm I'm just not familiar with him. Like I don't think I've seen most of this stuff. So okay. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed his performance and I walked out going like, if they're going to do Robbie Reyes, like they should get this kid, man. Like, I know we have a Robbie Reyes out there in the ether and it's, uh, uh, what's his name? Diego Luna. And he's great. And he was fun on agents of shield, but like Robbie Reyes is I mean, honestly, Robbie Reyes is a, a brother to a handicapped uh, uh, kid. He has a little handicapped brother, and, like, yeah. that's his whole thing. And, like, this feels, like, if you go ahead and read Robbie Reyes' Ghost Rider stuff from the start, it feels a mm-hmm. lot like this story, where it's like, I'm just trying to, you know, I, I want my family to get by. He gets sucked into some some on honest shit and winds up becoming ghost writer. <laughs> so, uh, um, it, it's a very, very similar story. Um, I mean, so much so that I like Marvel could probably just be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, <laughs> it totally ripped us off, but like, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, yeah, I think he's great, man. Uh, really is. They, they both are. Uh, the, 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 his he was also in In the Heights, right? Yes. He yeah. Was. Okay. Um, um, he, he he was fun. Like yeah, he was. His, he his wasn't annoying. Bits. Yeah, he wasn't annoying. Like little kids sometimes can really annoy me. Um, but he wasn't that annoying. Like little like so many people like have a tendency. Like so many kids have a tendency to overgo and overdo things, and he really did not. He didn't, and that was kind of great. Um. I did like that, like, you know, so, like, you were thinking Anthony Ramos for, um, uh, for Ghost Rider. I looked at him, and it was the fact that they cast, they cast, um, uh, Luna Laura uh, Velez from <laughs> New York Undercover. All I kept on thinking about was Anthony Ramos could do a remake of fucking, um, New York Undercover, either a serious version of it or Lord and Miller can do what they did for 21 Jump Street for uh, for New York Undercover and, like, cast somebody else um, with him. Because he's, like, all I could kept on thinking was, like, oh, sh- oh, that's a nice thing to have show up. I was like, I'm like, I miss her. I miss her in every, like, you know, like, you, know, you don't hardly ever see her, like, or at least I don't no, see her anymore. <laughs> you hear her. Um, yes. We just heard her last week. I was like, this yeah. is awesome. Low-key, she's gonna, like... She's gonna have two box office hits in back to back weeks. Like, yeah, I, 
I don't know how your theater was, but I went on a Friday at one o'clock and it was pretty full. It, and yeah. now we went to our, our cheap theater. So, in uh-huh. it, but it was a lot of kids. It was fairly full. Like, so I'm like, well, it's, I don't think it's going to make, you know, $500 million, but it seems like it's going to do pretty, like, fairly decent business. Um, um, I guess we'll see how the rest of the weekend plays out. Well, so they they're projecting it to be like around a seventy to um, sixty to seventy million. Um, they, it made almost nine million dollars from previews, which like that was more than any of the like the last the last two or three have made, I guess, yeah. um, during previews. Um, and so, so it's fixing to be like it's interesting because I feel like this year has become this whole thing of like surprising surprising blockbuster movies like you like i i'm not sure like the like i was like uh, across the spider-verse i was sure it was going to be good i didn't realize how fucking good it was going to be uh guardians the same way i knew it was good i didn't know it was going to be that emotional like leveling good um this I did not think it was going to be like, to be perfectly honest, I came, I went in and I was like, Oh man, we're going to be in for it. Like, you know, uh, Bumblebee was just a blip on the screen. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that like 30 times to erase this one from my memory. And literally it surprised the shit out of me. I'm like, okay, like I can get be like, if this is the beginning and building towards something and you keep, you keep this creative team together including Stephen uh, Cappell Jr., who he did a good job with yeah. Creed 2, but he did an even better job with this one because if you consider how much the effects are in this movie and how he was able to not just get performances out of the, the humans, but I feel like this is the first time I could actually look, other than Bumblebee again, but in the, but then again, Bumblebee, half the time, Bumblebee's face is like covered up because mm-hmm. so many people complained about the faces. But this time, watching Mirage and like, you know, like everybody having like this weird centric like robot face, it wasn't annoying to me. Like, and actually I, I like the, the one that everybody hates to love on or loves to hate on, um, Prime was like literally like, like some of the best animation it it wasn't perfect but the animation was good because it felt the thing is it's not distracting like if you go back and watch uh, i know i keep bringing up the we both keep bringing up the bay movies but like those bay movies man there's so much shit going on in that animation that it's just like what like there's parts moving everywhere this is too distracting and Like, it's fine when it's their mouths. Um, like, so, Air Razor. Like, yeah. I thought, like, it looked so fucking good. I was just like, I want a giant robot bird. <laughs> like, yeah, I just want, that's what I want. And I wanted to talk to me and Michelle Yeoh's voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, but then you get Optimus Primal and fucking Ron Perlman, and that shit's awesome. Like, yeah. you, like, watch it and you go... Okay, why why didn't we have Perlman in like as Optimus Primal and everything? Oh yeah, that's right because Michael fucking Bay directed it, and I don't want fucking Michael Bay touching this per- series ever again. Perlman does such a good job that I'm like, okay, 
if if they have to step away from Cullen, they could like digitize Perlman's voice up a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's like he could step into Optimus Prime. Like oh, he that, could, he could. Like he's that good. Like well, it's like it's weird because you got the trifecta right of voices. You got Cullen, who I mean, we know he's the voice, right? Perlman, who's got this great voice, and then. I didn't even realize Dinklage was in this movie until the credits. <laughs> until I watched the credits and I'm like, he played Scourge? Like, yeah. But all three of them have like that gravelly thing, but they're so unique. Each one of them, each one of them is so unique in their delivery that you can tell them apart. It's not like one person did that voice. Um, so, and Col- Coleman Domingo, who is yes. a guy that like nobody really knows as Unicron, um, he he's he's been on Fear the Walking Dead for most of its run, playing this character yep. named Victor Strand, and it's literally the only fucking entertaining thing on the show. Like, <laughs> it, he is so good and so uh, I think every the, I say that he's in, he's on Euphoria, so people would be like, oh, that's the guy from Euphoria, but like he's been around like forever in a fucking day, and he oh, has yeah. such a fantastic like evil villain voice not not like like a bond villain voice like that he has that like uh, the way just the way he says things it's so just menacing and not in a way that's like i don't know bond villains the perfect because it's just like holy shit dude this he wants to destroy the world no Um, he does like that's it that he's great like like that the the voice is so uniquely like you were right. It's like Bondy and uh, like Bondy and evil because it's a there's a refinement to it, right? Like there's like this there's this menace, but it's also like it's there's intelligence behind the menace. And I know and, that sounds weird, but and he's stepping into like not for nothing. I mean, I know there's yeah. some other versions of Unicron, but like on the big screen, there's only ever been one version of Unicron, and you know, <laughs> yeah. Say what you want about the end of his career, but you know, that's his last performance. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it and is it's fucking good. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't. Yeah, like I mean, like, like how do you? Okay, so like, how do you? How do you adjust when you have Orson Welles, right? And you go in the exact opposite direction. Which is okay. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, um, again, pulling from tra- the Transformers, the movie. I love saying it like that because that's literally like, you, I don't understand why it's just not called Transformers, the movie. It's called the Transformers, the movie. The movie. <laughs> <laughs> you always have to add in the two thes, the, the, and, and. Um, but yeah, like, and they get the scale right. Okay, so like, a side note. Um, However they approached this, it made me feel like, like, okay, so we want to talk about theft and Marvel. I mean, come on, like, Scourge as, as the Herald to, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they kind of um, did, they did, they outdid Marvel before they could actually get to do Galactus. I mean, because, like, world-eating robot, I mean, yeah. come on, like, or like, Planet Eater, like, but done like this really feels like it like 
it's so simple, but it like worked. Like it worked. Like it worked in a way that I was like, okay, yeah, I can see this is a real menace. Like this is a real, real menace, but it's also through that herald. And so like, you know, like the scourge as like that invincible enemy. Um, I didn't like the whole let's kill let's kill Bumblebee and bring him back at the end. It's because you saw a, a mile like yeah, it's that's the one thing I was just like, well, okay, you know when um, when uh, Air Razor dies, it's just like yeah. okay, well we know that that's that, but like we know they're not gonna let Bumblebee stay dead. Like you have a theater full of kids being like, what the fuck, man? They killed Bumblebee. It's the like we love Optimus Prime. Fucking yes. like every kid. And, like from 15 younger all they give a shit about is bumblebee man <laughs> like that's yeah. all they care about <laughs> yeah with with good reason because like he's like the core like of the of the things that really work in those bay films bumblebee works mm-hmm. because like and it works for both kids and adults kids because you know he's bumblebee <clears throat> like he gets to say all these like 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 who doesn't like a yellow, a, a yellow Trans Am, or eventually a yellow BW Bug, which he should have been in the first fucking place. Whatever, I'm not gonna argue. But also, like, it's the whole thing of like the the all of the like one liners that they pull from everywhere, yeah. right? Like that's which, great. Uh, they pull from Die Hard. How about that? The Yippee yeah. Kaye, like that was great. I <laughs> love. I, I mean, it's such a like cheesy thing to say, but for uh, Optimus uh, or for Prime. To look at him and go, I don't want you going to that drive-in movie theater anymore. That made me laugh. Yeah, no, it de- it definitely did because uh, it's also like, isn't that also a Bay reference again? Because yes. didn't, wasn't didn't they meet at the at the rundown? I think theater. So. Yeah, like it had like over in well, one I mean, of was, them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's in the first one. I think it's in the first one. Then when they all get together, uh, when the signal goes out. Uh, when the single uh, signal goes out to them, um, I like the fact that I like the fact that um, they use they use a small group instead of having like fifty different transformers. Though at the end, the whole thing like merges into like this big like you know Lord of the Rings battle. But yeah, I really the, the I, one thing that bothered me was when they're all going to fight, and I guess it's because well stratosphere the airplane that shows up that's another one of those plot things i was just like wait what (laughs) like this this comes out of nowhere man um the chicago one the one where the they take over chicago or was that somebody else that Vinny jones was playing i i don't know i don't know um but uh uh it's uh, John DiMaggio's voice in this, which I recognized yes. immediately. He gets like three lines of dialogue. Um, but like when everybody's going to battle, like Stratosphere is just like chilling at back at that like like a village. Like Yes. Looking at the dead bumblebee body. I was like, dude, they're going into battle to die. Like I know you're old and falling apart, but you could join them. <laughs> Like, do something. <laughs> what, what I also find super funny about that whole situation is, is that the the um the whatchamacallits revive him, like revitalize him. So like you when you see him go into battle, he's 
literally the best looking plane in the world yeah. when he dives in and I'm like, okay, um, yeah, okay, I guess. I mean, like, you know, I guess the I guess all of the uh energon that's all around and they like, you know, as soon as okay, the most clunkiest line, I will critique this, is when he goes, uh, they're like all of this raw energon. And then he's like, yeah, but we, without something powerful to charge it, there's nothing we can do. And I'm like, are you it's fucking like, kidding me? Really? Because y'all, <laughs> all y'all talking about is this giant, powerful thing. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. well, I could see this coming a mile away. And exactly. it, it, it wasn't even as big of a thing as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like some giant, uh, like explosion or something. It's just like something happens and it's just like, wave of energy that activates the energon which i mean it's fine it, it, like yeah. it, it's all stuff that you just have to like kind of one plus one in your head and just be like eh, yeah okay it's fine um but i will tell you this again don't know about your theater i was at a one o'clock show there were probably 25 kids in the theater yeah when <laughs> when bumblebee jumped out of that fucking airplane they went nuts <laughs> yeah they did like well dude like even the like so like it was a smattering of of parents bringing like all the kids because you know day off or whatever but then it was also a bunch of teenagers uh some rowdy teenagers and man bro like you'd have thought that they were born in 1994 because all the needle drops everybody was like hooting and hollering which yeah. i mean like, like i i have to appreciate i'm gonna have to find this because it's just a 90s hip-hop Nirvana. pretty good, man. <laughs> right? Like, and this, so this this also makes for um, the second movie this summer that has a fucking killer, like, 90s soundtrack. Yep. But it's a 90s hip-hop soundtrack, not a yeah. 90s, you know, late 90s alternative <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> And as they say, it's the good shit. Like, yeah. it's like, it's Wu-Tang, it's Biggie, it's all the stuff that you 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 know and love. And some of the stuff that maybe if you weren't growing up in the 90s, like Black Sheep, like, like I heard that and that hit hard. Because, I mean, that was a that was a song, like, once a Black Sheep, twice a Black Sheep. Like, when that shit happens, when he's driving, when he's trying to steal the yeah. car, I was like, oh, man, that takes me back to being a kid. And actually, like, you know, like, hardcore hip-hop stuff. And uh, it's just great. Um, it, it adds into the milieu. I Like, I really like the fact that they decided to go... Like, it's funny because, like you mentioned, uh, Across the Spider-Verse, this feels like a spiritual cousin to that because it's a very New York movie. Like, but not New York in, like, here's the landmarks. It's, like, Brooklyn represents. Like, that's literally what it feels like. Like, Anthony Ramos is, like, the 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 personification of Brooklyn 1994. So I'm going to give you Brooklyn 1994 and I'm here for it because it's kind of got that, it got the similar attitude that Miles has in regards to like how he feels about his, his home. Like it's the first time I actually feel like there's a Transformers movie where the world is at stake and I, I am the humans that are fighting for it actually care about the world which is a weird thing to say but at the same time like it's one of the things that i like it's a, a check it's a pretty big check mark in all of the big check marks that i just the reasons why i dislike bay's versions of the transformers that they just kind of simply solve 
Like you just, you have somebody that's empathetic and they're not stupid and they don't act out of character and they care about somebody, but then that means that they care about the world. And it's a very simple thing to do, but it's so effective in this movie because I'm not used to Transformers movies being, oh, here's a bro- here's a here's a story about two brothers, one who's who's a little sick, they have real problems, like they can't afford to pay medical bills, and like this other one goes on this grand adventure that eventually ends up with him, like, and like let's be honest, like it's kind of cool that michael kelly comes in i mean we haven't even talked about the wow yeah before we get to the (laughs) i want to so there's two voice actors we haven't really talked about christo fernandez as will jack oh football is life i mean lord man so there's (laughs) i've i've read a couple of like knee-jerk a people, uh, longtime fans, not really liking the look of Will Jack because yes, he does not look anything like no, the Will doesn't. Jack that we remember, and yeah. also people being like, "What's with the glasses?" I don't know, man. None of it bothered me. Like I, no. he, he looked like he was having so much fun. There, uh, oh, we didn't talk about RC either. Um, no, but uh, uh, I don't know. He, he just he looked really fun to me so he really did like i don't know like as soon as i heard his voice it all clicked for me like the the entire look clicked for me because i was like holy shit like it was funny because like you you could hear the ted lasso fans because as soon as they heard his voice it was a good kind of laughter it was like oh shit i wasn't expecting him in this and then you see him and then there's this second round of laughter because then they get the visual like gag of it all of this guy being kind of a hipster. And I mean, uh, he plays that like he doesn't even need to do anything. He just like he's just he's just there. He's charming. And it's just kind of great. Like this is the kind of thing that you want them to do. You don't want them to always be 100 percent on. Right. Like, I mean, it's like you don't want them to be accurate because, I mean, it's like. You know, in the Transformers show, um, there's a fucking character that's, like, 20 feet tall that turns into the size of a, like, sniper gun. How is that fucking possible, guys? How is that possible? You tell me. You write it back at me. And tell me how he fucking... It was to sell fucking toys, you assholes. So, like, let's go ahead and take a step back and not, like, say, not firm up and go, I hate the look of this person and just kind of be okay. I mean... I mean, Mirage does kind of looks the way that he used to, but not really. I mean, we yeah. kind of get we get. It's nice because they do the callbacks to his like, "What do you want me to be? A Ferrari? Um, a Lambo?" Or I mean, yeah. he starts off as the Lambo, which is kind of great. Um, but I don't know. Like, I I I loved I loved the 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 voice casting in this because. I, it's I thought kind of spot on. Uh, uh, is, I don't know if it's Lisa or Liza Koshi, who's a like one of uh, two or three like real veteran voice actors in this. Yes, uh, with Peter Cullen, John DiMaggio, and like uh, David Sabala plays Rhinox, but I think he has two lines. Like you know, yeah. and uh, Cheetor might have one line. Uh, Tungai, uh, uh, I'm not. I'm going to butcher that name, but like it, they're. They've done like minor uh, work. Uh, Sabalov is uh, Gorilla Grodd in the the DC CW yes. stuff. Um, who 
you know, and and he's fine, but like they just they don't really have much to do here than like run and look menacing. Um, but uh, Lisa Kashi is RC. I thought she was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, she I, was. I thought it was weird that they went with a, a just a traditional voice actress for RC and used Michelle Yeoh for um, the. I keep wanting to say Razor Beak. Air Razor. <laughs> Air Razor. <laughs> Razor Beak Razor, is, yeah. is the the tape from uh, uh, Soundwave. Uh, from Soundwave, <laughs> yes, another another one. Boombox that's like yeah. 20 feet tall. Uh, but anywho, uh, yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Um, the the was... one thing that, that about RC, though, is like the scenes with her in wheel in Wheeljack, in the van, yeah. crammed. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> she can transform into a motorcycle. Why the fuck is she crammed in the back of that VW van? It, it's so funny. It, it, it's <laughs> so it's funny. It's stupid, but it's funny because they're almost they're they're like playing it like a missions yeah, off. Yeah. And that's what I love about it, is that she's just stuck in the van. Like even though, like you said, she could turn into a motorcycle. Like she's Ducati. So, and she has literally that another image. set of eyes you could have out on the street. And she's just crammed in the back of the van. She's like, I'll get here. Like, why are you in the van? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it seemed intentionally stupid. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, a lot of the stuff like that's stupid in the show in the movie is intentional. Like, and it's not even just stupid. It's the stuff that's like the ridiculousness, and they call they call itself on those things. Like, like my favorite part, which is a which is a so such a hard reference to the um, the Daniel Wick wiki of it all from the Transformers the movie, is when. Um, when uh, Noah and Mirage merged together, and they be, like, and it's like mech suits. Yeah, and you could you could hear the kids when they realized what was happening. Like they didn't know what to do with themselves. They were like, like you could hear them talking, like, "What is going on? Why are they doing? Oh my god!" And it was such a nice, like, little fucking moment. It's not great CG. But it's yeah. good CG. It's, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. Um, but I, I it didn't it didn't bother me as much as like say like in the first GI Joe movie when they put on those mech suits oh, and they're yes. I was like that 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 was garbage. Um, so speaking of Mirage and and so Pete Davidson, a guy we yeah. love to hate, um, or just hate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not neither one of us are very big fans of his. Um, nope. even though I binged his his show on Peacock and it was worth it, but not for him. Um, I, I gotta say, man, like, A, I'd forgotten he was the voice of Mirage, and when he started talking, I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna hate this, I'm gonna have to listen to Pete Davidson this whole fucking movie. <laughs> Didn't hate it, man. I thought he did a really good job, he really um, is. I I mean I just thought it was perfect for the movie. Like it, I don't know, it just it worked all around for me, you know. Yeah. No, it really it really did. Like I loved the fact that like they they knew what like like everything in this movie is very very knowing. Like they're not it's 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 not meta. It's just the right amount of 
of like, let's take a step back and do things that people won't expect, but cast like like the casting. It's always ca- like like even the voice casting is casting to their strengths. Like Michelle Yeoh, like you absolutely okay. Like if there's going to be a if there's going to be a hawk that is both beast and mech, and it's it's having to give orders to Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. The person you want absolutely is fucking Michelle Yeoh, right? So it's smart casting there. Like it, it also adds a little kicker that having Michelle Yeoh's voice in your movie, and she'll probably do the Cantonese version of it, and it gets you to China. Yeah. Okay. So I wasn't thinking. See, I, yeah, and it makes sense because it's Rise of the Beast to have her one of the beasts. Yeah. You're right. It makes more sense. Um. It, although it doesn't feel like she she's given a lot of exposition and really yes. that's it, um, which is unfortunate because I mean I said it earlier she that character has the coolest fucking like animation of any of them she oh, just yeah. looks bad and we didn't get to see her uh, I forget what they called it when they transform um, I can't I can't either but we didn't actually well we didn't see anybody did we. Yeah, uh, when they go into battle, oh, all the beasts yes, transform right. into giant robots. And robots, that's right. Look bad as shit. <laughs> like yes, they, they look do. awesome. <laughs> yeah, they um, do. They really do. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, uh, like you know, you kind of want sideshow. Like you hope that sideshow does air razor because you can only imagine how fucking awesome she would look. Um, with like yeah. As a sideshow collectible, which I fairly certain because they work with, um, they they definitely work with um, sideshow does work with um, Hasbro um, or E One, which is uh, their their movie division, uh, to create stuff. So I'm actually kind of excited to see if they do. And then the price, of course, is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, you know um, what can we do about that? Uh, but so anyway. let's let's talk about the ending. Because I know you got a hard out. So, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> we were just fucking talking about this, dude. Weren't we? Like, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, it, <laughs> I was not prepared for that. Um, I wasn't I, either. I love Michael Kelly. It, it's weird because, okay, so I, I said all the kids went ape shit for Bumblebee. Michael yeah. Kelly showed up and all the parents were like, ooh. And I was just yeah, like, right? what the fuck do they know this guy from? Because like he's literally, in my eyes, I like him, but he is a huh? character actor who has very minor like parts and a lot of things that I enjoy. And I was like, what fucking show or something is he on that I do not watch that all these dads and our moms are just like, ooh, I know that guy. And I, I guess he's on the fucking Jack Ryan show. <laughs> he's on that. And then he before that, he was on House of Cards. Like, oh, okay. Even though we're not okay. supposed to talk about that show. Um, he's also like, so like Michael Kelly is another, like we were just talking about the experts uh, and how like great character actors I, I literally do have a soft spot for character actors that are not traditionally good looking. Like, because I feel like they're better. Like, I know it sounds shitty, but they're better trained. And they're, they, they're they have just to work, work for it. They can't get by yeah. on their looks, man. 
<laughs> exactly. Like, and not he, that they're ugly. They're just not, you know, they don't look like Henry Cavill. They have to actually no. be able to act. <laughs> Absolutely. And he was in two things that in the early 2000s that I fucking loved. Uh, Dawn of the, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Uh, where he plays the security yeah. guard with the with the the racist security guard with the handlebar mustache that ends up being a good guy. Um, one of my favorite tropes is like you put an asshole uh, together with a group of good people and then eventually turn him into like the, the one of the heroes. And then he was also in the David Simon written Generation Kill, which I don't think that a lot of people like talk about anymore. Which is an excellent, excellent HBO miniseries about the Gulf War. In yeah. a way that I feel like David Simon, who did The Wire, um, who did The Deuce, he does all of these fucking amazing shows, brought that kind of like consideredness. And he plays one of the drill, like one of the sergeants. And so like his part is quite big. Um, and he was also on The Sopranos uh, early in his career and Jack Ryan, of course. Um, so like it's all these things that I, I know him from these different things and I fucking love him. Like as soon as I sh he showed up, I was like, how much did they pay this motherfucker? Why is yeah. he here? I'm I was like, because like, well, you know you're at the end of the movie. It's just yeah. like, well, the movie's over. Like, what is this? Like, you know, I, I'm at first I'm like, oh, are they fixing to try to like tie all of this back to the Bay stuff and make it relevant again? Which is just going to make me roll my eyes. And yeah. then... Uh, he, he gives uh, gives that whole speech... Uh, to um, uh, the kid, Noah. to Noah, yeah. uh, about like, hey, yeah, by the way, we know what you were up to down in Peru, and like, you thought you were here for a job interview for like a security guard or something, but turns out, you know, hey, we could use a guy like you, and, you know, just as a thank you, all your brother's medical bills, they've all been taken care of. He's going to get the best care possible. Thanks for saving the world. Um, and, you know, if you ever kind of, if you, it's kind of a team, it's more like if you ever yeah. need us, like here's my <laughs> card. And which we could talk about the goofiness of having a card with GI Joe. <laughs> G. I, Joe. I mean, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, we're a secret organization off the books, but here's the card with the name of our organization emblazoned on top of it. But whatever, it's a kid's movie. I'm, you know, I just kind of chuckled like, okay, yeah, that's a real secret. You got a card. Um, but uh, so, yeah, we were just talking in the last episode about will Hasbro ever get their shit together and do the G.I. Joe Transformers movie? And here we are at the end of this movie with them literally going like, hey, yeah, by the way, G.I. Joe and Transformers definitely exist in the same universe. And this is where we're headed. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to call it, um, we're going to get a recast of Duke, and I I have a feeling the reason why they got Capital Jr. to direct is eventually, I feel like this is all fucking, like, has been in the work for years, because um, you just don't pop that unless you're going to fucking go with, you're going to go with it, right? And why not go with Michael B. Jordan as Duke? A recast and just fucking get the most charming like i mean like think about it like that makes sense right like if you're going to get an actor get one of the biggest stars in the world who loves this kind of stuff like he's been on record as saying like you know G transformers 
and G.I. Joe were the thing that got him into anime. And he's into anime in a big way. All you have to do is watch Creed 3 to see how, like, and some of the shots that he does and some of the things that he does. And he's an anime freak. And he's like, a, uh, he's a, he's one of us. He's like a genre guy. He loves this stuff. Like, why not? Let's just throw the book out since they kind I mean, of did it with the Transformers. They did it, yeah, they did it with Transformers. I don't see any reason to stick to any of this shit from the the previous G.I. Joe movies. Just, yeah. you know, just start over, you know? Yeah. So do, do you think we get a G.I. Joe film or do you think we get a Transformers G.I. Joe film first? I think we get a Transformers G.I. Joe film because G.I. Joe hasn't done well outside of... Ever. They, they've had ever. three live-action movies? Two. You have, well, Snake Two. Eyes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Snake Eyes. I completely forgot about Snake Eyes. Um, though I wouldn't mind... I wouldn't mind some of the people from Snake from Snake Eyes to be in the the Joe universe, especially if this is the way that we're going to go. Like, like if we're going to do, if we're going to say that Bumblebee exists in the Transformers universe, then I'm not necessarily saying that the people that you cast, all of the people that you cast in Snake Eyes, have to be Snake Eyes, like Henry Golden, maybe. But I if mean, you're going to do I'd it, I'd be down for that. So yeah. I mean, if you're going to do that, then, like, let's do this. Like, like, let's go ahead and use the Transformers movie as a jumping off point. Like, it's like almost like the Hulk. Like, use them like the Hulk, right? Like, the Hulk is boring. Like, like, let's be honest. The Hulk is, to most people, the Hulk is boring when he's just by himself. Like, we've seen, we, we haven't seen an interesting um, Hulk movie. We've seen fascinating ones. But we've not seen him. And they figured out the best way to do it is use him as a companion piece. Like, you know, you could add in the Hulk. I mean, isn't there isn't there talk that he's actually in New World Order, which yeah. we just got a release date for um, uh, because he's so tight, which is going to be wild. Like, I just want to see him and Liv Tyler interact because it's such a wild notion to me that they're taking the ed norton movie as canon right like i mean they did because they have no always kind of have and they they've just not brought up plot elements from it this is the first <laughs> yes. time they're actually bringing pl plot devices from that movie into the mcu every other yep. time it's just been characters and possibly the actors that portrayed them <laughs> <laughs> so which, which is wild like i'm i'm very I mean, they're they're setting up for Norton to come back in Secret Wars. Let's be honest. Um, it's why they're they're including people in the way they're kind of getting us per softly prepared for that in four years if we make it. Um, but what I will say is, like, I feel like using GI Joe as the popper could actually be the solve because it fixes an issue that Bay was trying to solve. That he never solved because he got up his own ass with this whole like. Okay, so the biggest thing that I fucking hate about Michael Bay is his overfetishization of military equipment. Yeah. Specifically, the way that fucking people wear armor. It's part of the reason why I feel like these fucking flagpole sitters, I'm not going to call them what they are, like are so into the stupid fucking Punisher things because they're so fetishized and Bay made it so fetishized that it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And it, it is, to be perfectly honest, I laugh every time I see them show up because they're ineffective. 
but it does bring up this whole thing of like they was trying to solve a, a problem that everybody that people have with i feel like people have with a movie about giant fucking robots right is yeah. where's the human factor how can you actually have humans fight people or how can you have humans fight giant fucking robots that transform that are more than meet the eye well like hasbro is like i have a little bit of peanut butter why don't we mix it up with that fucking chocolate of yours and we'll make something really nice and i think that they've actually solved the bay conundrum that bay just went into a bay loop on and let's fetishize them let's bring the military in but let's fetishize it as shit i don't like whoever decided to do that like I wonder if it was talked about during the Bay Era. And Bay was like, no, 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 shut up. Like, I literally think, I almost feel like he doesn't, like, to him, that's childish, right? Even though he's making a movie about a giant ro- uh, giant robot. But bringing yeah. G.I. Joe into it as a solve. Um, I will also say one more thing. Um, Duke could also be casted as I'm going to throw it out there and I hope I make it because I love him Timothy Oliphant like I mean, how bad that, would, that would be great so, yeah. uh, so, alright so I, I, I pulled up the Snake Eyes movie because I, I never saw it um, I knew oh. Henry Golding was Snake Eyes I yeah. remember the trailer uh, they're the only other uh, character from G.I. Joe that's really in it Scarlet is uh yeah so you know there's no reason they can't do all of that yeah no no so. you're absolutely right um uh but it's like great right like it's a great like we've seen comics about it i actually ordered the one that you talked about so it should be here saturday or sunday so i can read it it's I, a I'm... it's a lot of fun man all of those <laughs> in the comics were fun but like that world war Two one was just two one yeah, it was a I, lot of fun for me. Or how, like, and, like, let's just throw this out here. Like, how badass would it be? If, because they've already talked about how the fact that, like, you know, they they want to have, like, different, trans, like, Transformers in different eras. How badass would it be if they're just taking from the Marvel playbook and actually learning quite good lessons from it and doing, like, the Captain America, the first Avenger version of G.I. Joe in, in World War II working with, the Autobots. Yeah. And so they they don't work with Optimus because it would be betraying of the story, but you can bring in a whole bunch of other Autobots and have them leave. Like, fuck Hot Rod, man. Where's Hot Rod? Where's my where's where's my dude Hot Rod? Um, you know, uh just I'm just throwing stuff out there, but there's the possibilities are so fucking awesome for this like this is the kind of stuff that you want, right? Like it's almost like I turned a corner i'm like you know what i'm in the bag for this now i really am with this movie i really am in the bag for this like like they're doing what i i would want them to do because if you're going to do something do it right right um do you have any other uh do you have any predictions or things that you would like to see them moving forward Um, um i mean so assuming this does well Mm-hmm. That Transformers G.I. Joe movie will happen. Um, it might happen even if it doesn't do that well. Um, yeah. I, I I would like to see it stay 
pre-modern day. I understand yes. we're in 94 here, so we might be looking at, like, it's set in, like, late 90s, early 2000s. That's fine. But yeah. there's, there's just something nice about not having it. Because that's what happened with the Bay movies. They kept time jumping and trying to keep it yes. so modern that they wound up just jumping into the future to try to get away from the shit that they had created for themselves. And I I don't want to see that, you know? Um, no, I don't either. And um, I really would you know, I, I know there there's there's some some trouble with like the pro militaristic G.I. Joe stuff, but honestly, I mean, that show was very cookie cutter, very good guy, bad guy, like and I mean I really did like it when I was a kid, you know, and yeah. I'm I might would still appreciate it. I ha I I never revisited G.I. Joe. I've revisited Transformers. Um but yeah, I, I mean I, I'm excited for for what it could be. Um, and, I mean, Henry Golding and, uh, like I said, what's her name? Uh, Samara. Samara. Like, bring them on, man. Like, that'll be fine. So, you know. Yeah. Has, Hasbro's going to create a cinematic universe before DC fucking can, can <laughs> get a cohesive one. And that's hysterical <laughs> to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it um, really is. Um, like, I, I, yeah, I'm with you on this. I'm, I'm very on board. I, I do want them to keep it in the nineties. Like you said, there's something quaint about it. Like there's something because there's the tech isn't there. So we don't have to focus on tech and it's just about the transformers. Right. Like I felt like everything in the Bay movies was all about the tech and the fetishization, man. I mean, like I re I, I watched some of them and I was like, man, you know what? He really does have a hard on for Cameron. He really does want to do Cameron style stuff, but has like, unlike Cameron, he has no idea about the world. All he knows is cinema. Like where Cameron, like I started watching some of those special features for Avatar and you just realize, like, yeah, you know what? He's an arrogant dickhead sometimes, but he has every reason to. He use, he holds the record for underwater deep exploration. He's not just a fucking director. He's a fucking adventurer. He's fucking Jacques Cousteau of the, but he's actually Indiana Jones, but a filmmaker. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's yeah. great. Like, side note. But here, they kind of just kind of revert. Like, I like the fact that they just kind of took a step back and went, Let's make this in the nineties. Let's like, let's, let's do this. Let's do that. It, it solves a couple of like technic technicality issues that we don't have to deal with in, uh, in real life. Like, you know, like the reality of the situation or people like, like really needling the point home. Um, but it's not done in that Michael Bay way where it's like, this is the nineties. Like, like, could you imagine if Bay directed this? Like, I don't even, I can't even. It, it would have, it, the needle drops would have been so bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> Man, it just would have been Aerosmith and Def yes. Leppard and yes. all this stupid yes. shit. Uh, you know, pour some sugar on me. Like, it would just, like, I mean, but that's Bay. Like, we know that's Bay. Um, and I'm very happy that it's, that, the, that this wasn't directed like, like, you know, that they went the opposite direction of, of Michael Bay. And it's, to say that, like, guys, like, we're not joking here. Like, this is this is the beginning. This could be the beginning of something I mean, very... 
for the first first time in a in over a decade we're somewhat hopeful for the cinematic future of two franchises transformers and gi joe and it's been a very long time i i this i i think i probably might watch snake eyes this weekend um because i didn't see it and i didn't hear anything bad i just it came out in 2021 nobody was going to see shit and it just like eh, okay whatever um it was it was okay um i think it's on uh prime or uh paramount plus so you're more like you can like it's i i i liked it i didn't love it like yeah after three bad Transformer movies, it's kind of nice to see, or I'm sorry, uh, G.I. Joe movies, it's kind of nice to see one that um, takes the story and does very different things with the origins of Snake Eyes, but also kind of makes it, it works. It's a Yakuza movie. Like, that's yeah. that's what I can tell you. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a true blue Yakuza crime movie, which is something that I really appreciate. Though, I wish it had been like an R-rated cut, like kind of like the way that it's very similar to Wolverine where it starts as a Yakuza movie and then it evolves and morphs into what you would expect a GI Joe movie to be. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I might, I might give that a watch next week. We're going to be, uh, I'm guessing talk. Well, I don't know. Cause you're not going right. Or you haven't decided. Um, I haven't decided, but you know what? Friday, Friday morning, um, or Friday afternoon, um, after work, I'm, I may just go. Fuck it, let's go see the Flash. Because okay, like here's the thing, man. I want, I like, I want to see Michael Keaton, and I don't want anything ruined for me, like yeah. the major beats. But I'm, I just I'm either going stand to them. pay and sneak into the Flash, pay for something else. Uh, I might pay for a Rise of the Beast, <laughs> so it gets a little <laughs> little bump, uh, my little twenty dollar bump, and then sneak into the Flash or whatever I pay for my ticket for the Flash. I'm gonna donate it to like uh, uh, Project Trevor or something like that to to offset nice. spending the money on that dickhead. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, because much like you, I'm just like uh, the, the thought that this if this kid is getting any piece of back end or anything, I, it just it upsets me. But I, I do want to see the movie. Um, and like you, I don't want to have anything spoiled for me before I can see it. Um, so rather than wait a couple of weeks and see it when, you know, I, I could pay less money, probably going. So we'll probably be talking the Flash next week. Definitely Indiana Jones the week after that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, go check out everything else we do over at xwingfiles.com. Uh, you can check out Adam's work over at themovieisle.com, where I also write a little bit here and there. Uh, go buy the experts on DVD, because fucking that movie needs more people to watch it. Um, and we'll be back next week. Talk to you guys soon. Number eight, the Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, they all together. You with me now? Nerds ruin everything.